Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time, and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You know, it's just so much that out there that you just have to go. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double-wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels and even tie-down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. Our New Year's resolution is to hunt more this year. Okay. <laughs> that, that, well, glad you know that going ahead. That's it, man. So, my, my my only goal. Well, my goal is to uh, plan a trip like this uh, Kevin guy did this year. Because a lifetime goal. It, last week was part one of f- the first half of his trip. I mean, he, he, he hit up multiple states. If you haven't listened to part one, go check that out because it, it takes you from when he started in Georgia – Wisconsin, Minnesota, and this kind of picks back up in North Dakota and hits up Nebraska and Kansas and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, guys, just in case you didn't listen to the first one, the guy's name is Kevin Shellnut. If you want to look him up on Facebook, he also has documented the entire trip under a Facebook page that is his dog's – under his dog's name. And, and Nick's the pro at pronouncing <laughs> – the these, dog's name. These so, crazy German drot names. The, the drot stuff. So give it a shot. Carbon vom Harenboden. There we go. 
Again, baby, you knocked that. Yeah, you killed that. Yeah, we'll see. So we'll put the link of uh, the Facebook pages in the post for you guys to be able to follow. Yeah, it's real interesting. He goes into detail and all his stuff. So if you're if you're interested in this and you want to kind of see just what a two month long hunting trip with your dad and dog and and new dog that he surprised his, his dad with, we got into last week. It, check it out. It, it, it's a kind of fun thing to check out. All right, guys, and one last thing before we get this started is you have two days left on our Instagram giveaway with Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong and Shotgun Dog Coffee, some of our partners in this. Um, go on our Instagram page and follow the instructions there to enter. Uh, you get a chance at a personalized um, uh, conditioning program, and also you get a sample it's actually a whole bag of the new uh dark roast coffee from shotgun dog coffee um again that's on the instagram post and and nick tell them about the patreon deal as well yeah we uh we're doing another personal fitness program giving away to just our patreon users so if you want another shot or better odds sign up at patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself and it really helps out the podcast, gives you a chance to get in shape, go longer, harder in the field, all that fun stuff next season. So these these training programs are tailor-made for your goals and the style of hunting that you do. And even if you're not a hunter, say you win it and you don't necessarily want to do it and you got a spouse or kid or whatever that you know want to, wants to get in better shape, that can do that for them too. So... It's kind of for everybody, but check that out. And two days left, we're going to be announcing it on New Year's Day. And hope everybody had a great Christmas. And uh, everybody be safe. Don't do any, too, you know, too many stupid things on New Year's Eve. It's just another day in another year, people. That's right. So good luck, everybody, to 2020, uh, and we'll go from there. Yep, we'll see you next year, guys. See y'all. If you're looking for new apparel that works better for you in the field, be sure to check out the amazing products at Duck Camp. They're a direct-to-consumer company that prides itself in producing high-quality gear for every type of outdoorsman, including wing shooters. Unlike your shooting, their upland shirts are a can't-miss. They're available in different weights to make sure you get what you need on your hunt. Check them out through the link on our website, gundogityourself.com, and if you purchase something, please be sure to tell them GDIY sent you. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? Train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, this company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second part of Kevin Shellnut's road trip. This is a kind of a road trip that all bird hunters and hunters in general dream of taking. Old man, cross country, multiple stops, multiple species. Now, multiple new dogs. dogs. Yeah, yeah, new dogs. It's 
we, we've kind of had a little bit of everything from porcupines to surprising the old man with a dog and if you missed part one go back and check that out and uh, we covered the rough grouse and woodcock woods in wisconsin and minnesota and now kevin's going to break out going to a completely different world the prairies of north dakota yeah, so he, he yeah. cracked the code on the uh, mythical rough grouse. So now we're ready to move on to the prairie. So, uh, Kevin, when you're coming I to North Dakota. I don't know about ready to move on. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> I, I, I wish I hadn't left Minnesota so soon. Um, I had to leave Minnesota because I needed a GPS collar for scooter. And I, hindsight, I wish I would have turned around and went back to Minnesota and hunted grouse longer. <laughs> Was that for your love of grouse <laughs> or just the disappointment of North yeah. Dakota? <laughs> uh, <but laughs> no, at the time, the disappointment of North Dakota was all optimism. Um, uh, but the grouse, um, that got in my blood like I don't know of anything else I've ever hunted that really um i loved it i really yeah. did i loved the woods i loved all the people that i met up there uh it's i i don't know how to describe it. it's gonna be hard for me to spend another october without going to up in grouse country once that rough grouse um, gets in your blood it's it's hard to kick it out it's it's something special i think for it's sure. the chase you know it's 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 the I've seen grouse in Washington on the eastern, uh, the western coast, and how they just stand there and look at you. Um, <laughs> those I, I didn't see any grouse that way. These things are crazy. They're they're hard. Um, yeah. Well, uh, you you got to chase them and get the monkey off your back, and finally get a get a lifetime goal of bagging your rough grouse. But now you're headed to North Dakota, and you're chasing another grouse. You're chasing sharptails. You're chasing some hung- Hungarian partridge and ducks and pheasants. So you you stop off and get a collar for Scooter, and then where are you headed to North Dakota? Um, we don't know. Uh, we <laughs> <That's> were. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I I had hunted Ellendale, which is um. Uh, southeastern North Dakota, right above the South Dakota line, probably in the early 2000s. I had been there two different years. Uh, So I knew that area a little bit. I knew I wanted to go back to that area, but I wasn't in too big of a hurry to get down there. So we went north. We went up towards Devil Lake. Um, I'd been seeing some guys on Facebook and stuff, getting a few ducks and stuff stuff up there so we drove there and uh the first place i stopped i got out of the car and it was a waterfowl reproduction area up there somewhere and i saw a soybean field and a little bit of maybe a russian olive tree sticking up on a a point out there so i pointed carbon that way and we we started going that way um found i think four pheasant one of them was a rooster who put the tree in between me and him and got out the back but um we found our first pheasants up the trip right out of the right out of the gate um on public land so but from after that it kind of it was all tough um all the crops were still in it was really really wet um 
all the birds were in the corn that we could find. And they would come into the CRP, you know, that last magical 30 minutes or an hour or so. So that was our best, most productive hunting is that last little bit of light. Um, well, that's that's not exactly true. I mean, during the day, you may not have been finding birds, <laughs> but uh, you weren't exactly getting well, skunked, were you? <laughs> up there, up there, well, I got it handed to me pretty good. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> we um, we did end up driving south and um, went around Ashley, North Dakota, and we found a house that we could rent. Um, and that's where on the first segment, I, I said one of my regrets is not finding the Airbnb app sooner. Um, that that probably would have. I'm still not real up to date with that process. How you know, my wife can do it, my kid can do it, but I'm not, you know, very computer literate. So I um, I'm learning about it, but I wish that I would have found out about the Airbnb app sooner. We probably could have found more places to stay longer. Because in Ashley, we were able to rent a house and finally unload the car with all this stuff that we carried along and stay in one spot. You know, that was nice to be able to cook a meal and wash clothes and all this sort of thing. That 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 meant a lot. Um, and two, there was a lot of unposted private land in that area that I, that we were able to find. Not a lot, but a little bit, um, enough. Uh, my first trip to North Dakota, it seems like there was private land everywhere without posted signs. And today's North Dakota, from what I've seen, is not that. Um, not that those, you know, those farmers and all won't let you hunt. It's just Dad and I, I don't think on this whole trip we ever once asked for a permission. Right. Um, we hunted public land pretty much 99% of the way through until we got into Kansas where I had access to a little bit of pride. But, um, yeah, so um, we um, we started started out the next morning there in Ashley and um, just started driving around, hitting the dirt roads hitting the plots, plots land, and uh, up against cornfields. That's what we were looking for, so, covering your corn. So was it in the corn that you uh, found the skunk? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd like to forget that by now, right? <laughs> I think that skunk's still with me. <laughs> Those collars will not come. I don't know what I need to do. I guess just burn them. I saw I saw a post not too long ago talking about how uh, how you can get the skunk smell off of them. But it, uh, if I recall correctly, out of correct, collars or yeah, off the dog? Out of collars. Uh, oh. I can't remember exactly what it is, but what, we'll we'll put a question up and see if somebody in the in the group knows. <laughs> okay. But, but what happened I, with I this? Tried the, Go yeah. ahead. I tried to, uh, before everyone chimes in with the baking soda, the hydrogen peroxide, the lemon <laughs> juice, and the amino juice. And the, I've tried bleach. I've tried uh, no spray, that sm- uh, spray you spray on before you go deer hunting, the, you know, the scent no killer. Scent, yeah. Um, I've, I've soaked them overnight. Uh, but they still 
my white skunk. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but the skunk was found in a in a cut soybean field, and um, we actually I actually um, we pointed three coveys of hunts on the way in there um, before we found the before we found the skunk. So we had we started getting into hunts up there, and um, we had. That's a that's a pretty fun bird to chase too. That is, it's a gorgeous um, bird, and they act a lot like quail the way they covey up and everything. Yeah, yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. Um, I wished I lived where they live. Truthfully, we were having the same. We went up to North Dakota last year, and we had the same discussion. It, it was, it's it's a totally. Uh, it's you're totally out of the southeast, but it does remind you a lot of of just Bob Whites and mm-hmm. and how they act. Mm-hmm. And and two, we would find sharpies in in that right there with them, yep. pretty darn close. Um, so that was that was interesting, fun. Um, the dogs were on different game, um, doing pretty good. Scooter Scooter's got a nose. Come to find out. Um, we 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 stopped at this one intersection on the dirt road and got out one time I remember and we would always look for cover you know on the corners and um, we let the dogs out and they're standing on the road scooter standing in the middle of the road on point with the wind in his face just I mean it's, it was <laughs> yeah. So me and Dad are sitting there getting all our stuff on, and get and Scooter starts walking. And he goes, he goes down off into the into the ditch, down the side of the road, and on the left side of the road is a standing sunflower field. It's unposted, but it had standing crops, so you can't legally hunt it. Um, so Scooter goes in there, and I think he was at like 160 feet. And we're standing there on the road, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, the cubby hunters just rise up, and they don't come towards us; they push away from us. But um, you work those things five hundred and fifty feet is what it come out to be. So, for an eight-month-old little right out of the gate English setter, that was we were grinning. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but his nose didn't but, save you on the skunk, though, did it? We got to get back to that skunk and finish that story out. I'm not, I'm not, let, I'm not letting um, you skate that one by. I look up ahead of me, and uh, and I tried. Um, it's Dad's fault. I'll blame it on him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're, we went too far down an already cut soybean field with very little cover, and I looked down ahead of me, and I didn't see any other big cover. So I told Dad, I said, we need to turn around and go back. He's like, well, let's just go to the corner. You know how that went. So we keep walking down to the corner, and I look up ahead of me, and Carbon is just shaking something like a rag doll. I don't know what he's doing, but he's just shaking it back and forth and back and forth. And I get up there, and I said, oh, my Lord, it's a skunk. And at that moment, I think he tasted it or or either it just exploded inside of his mouth or something oh, because he just started foaming out of the mouth and he didn't like it either. He finally, he didn't deliver that to hand. He dropped it. <laughs> so that's a Spit that thing my out. Fat, right? can't, you can't blame him on that. It's, don't go back to the table for that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
And um, so, yeah, I started just hosing him down with water, trying to get his mouth and clear it out so he can get his breath. Um, and long ride back to Ashley in the car. Oh, God, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, we so, smelled like Cheech and Chong. That's why, yeah. <laughs> that's why you get a, you know, the expedition's cool and all until you get skunked, and then and then right. you're in the in the in the same well, vehicle with the dog. Strapping him through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's when a truck with a camper topper comes in real good right. handy. Yeah. So let's let's get into the the hunting styles here. You know, obviously it's a big time change from. Um, you know, hunting the yeah. rough grouse and the cover there in Wisconsin to the open areas in, in North Dakota. So how were the dogs doing? Did Could you tell, could you actually see them progressing and, and figuring out the game and the two different types of habitat? Oh, yeah, both of them. See, Carbon pretty much grew up in Kansas. Um, like I said, I'm from Georgia, and it's pretty thick here. Um, and he hunts close here. I like to keep him. Uh, I'm trusting him. I trust him now to get out of gun range, but you know, back in the early days of you know him hunting and all, I'd keep him pretty close. Um, and so he at home he hunts pretty close. I mean, he'll get out 150 feet or so. Um, but like I said, it's so thick and the privet hedge and all. He goes where I go, so he's not like a big running pointer. Um, I have to go everywhere I want him to go, pretty much works left and right real well but but out in kansas he'll open it up um, he'll get on out there and so he will adjust to the cover whether it's thick or just yeah open. it was neat to watch it you know because you go from hunting the woods and he's he's right there with you um come back checking in to being out there you know 100 yards 150 200 yards so with the wind in his face and something about the wind in the dog's face they just they love it. Um, you Stretch know, they out love there to a just get that, get that wind in their nose and just follow it. Um, that's one thing I love about out there in the Midwest. Is so, you just get that wind and go. So how long did you start seeing better results uh, as you stayed out there, or did you just kind of switch over to duck hunting? What What was the plan and success in North Dakota? Yeah, you know, my duck hunting North Dakota didn't go too hot. Um, I had I had to drop in a pothole up ahead of me one day. I'm pushing a field, and um, four come right over my head and and start working, and then they circle and circle and circle and land in a little pothole out in front of me, probably 400 yards, 500 yards. Down, I was able to jump shoot. I I got two on the rise with one shot um, that's pretty cool yeah that's yeah. the advantage is I, I shoot non-toxic all the time uh, um, even on the roughs I, I shoot business shells uh, boss shells so um, it's one good thing about that being able to switch over to water yep. power real quick you don't have to worry about the lead and plus oh. I don't have to eat it <laughs> and it doesn't kill my raptors yep. there you go um, I'm a big proponent of non-toxic. I know it gets a gets a lot of heat from a lot of people, and hard guys. But lead does a lot of damage to to wildlife. And with bismuth, I mean, 
business flies really well. It's heavy. I have no problem. I hunted, I hunted all over, you know, and shot roosters and sharp tails and rough grouse, everything with it. So did you use that but, to um, shoot that one uh, coon you guys came in contact with? Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't shoot a coon. <laughs> Oh. that's why he's got to draw it oh. <laughs> i was i, right. I want you i didn't want to skip over the coon incident I, though all right all right well i, I bumped him off the coon um <laughs> last year last year we were in um in let me think well we're in kansas last year and and him and maggie my older draw uh carbon went on point in a little I don't know what kind of bush. It's like a huckleberry bush. It's got little berries on it, probably knee high. And it's just a little small thing, probably big as a bed of a truck. And he points for probably two seconds. And then he just does this cat pounce and where he goes up and nose dies into this bush. And then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he catches it. Giant raccoon. I've never uh, Georgia had. We have some pretty big, you know, raccoons. But this not, thing was not those corn-fed raccoons. Was, no, no, not these corn, those corn-fed Kansas raccoons. That thing was well, like a panda bear. <laughs> um, but <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, I did shoot that raccoon. Um, they broke it. The coon, carbon had the coon around the neck. The coon had carbon on the side of the face and then the ear. And I didn't want to bump him at that time because if he would have let go, the coon would have only been the only one to be attached and it would have probably just ripped his face open. So I let him let it play out. And Maggie, she had one end of the coon, carbon uh. had the neck, and I was able to break him just for a split second before I got a shot off and dispatched the coon. And then they jumped right back on it. They don't like them. Um, I don't. I don't know if I will ever be able to break Corbin from jumping on a raccoon. He's a drive. I, I uh, you know they're kind of known for that fur drive. <laughs> the porcupine, I'm not positive, um, and the skunk, I'm not positive that he will mess with an, another one. But a raccoon, he is. That raccoon put up a fight. He, um, as Corbin had him around the throat, the coon just had its claw and back feet just raking Carbon's eyeballs. Um, he was raw all around his eyes, just bleeding. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't pretty, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to shock him off of it because then the coon would have yeah. been the only yeah. one holding on. And so it just, it all happens so fast, you know, you can't make really, your mind has to make decisions really, really fast. So, I think I think I, at that point I did the best for with what we had, um, but the coon in North Dakota that we found, um, he pointed it, and I thought it was a buried-in rooster, you know, in a, in a cat and he piles in. I say okay, and he comes in there, and then you know the coon starts raising cane, and then I holler no, and then bump him, and he leaves it on. So it really Good. wasn't that big of yeah. an incident, but. Right, um, right. The Upland no, Coon that Dog. One, that one we got both. Both he, um, he and the Coon both got unscathed that day. Yeah. That one, my dog. Well, it sounds yeah. sounds to me like North Dakota just 
ultimately you may have had some success on hunts and sharps and you know maybe a little bit of ducks here and there but it sounds like it's just kind of between the skunk and the the coon and the in the wet and crops still up there it sounds like north dakota was uh kind of lackluster for you so when when did you decide to, when did y'all decide to move on um, i don't really know um well the house we rented um was rented the following saturday morning so we had to be out of that house by then um we could have moved to the motel but you know we we had done hunting there for a week or so, and uh, it was tough. It, um, like you said, the crops were all in, and that. Uh, uh, I'd always my first trip there was in October, like opening weekend, October ninth or something like that. I don't know when their season normally comes in, but I think that year it was early, and I had drawn a mule deer tag in Wyoming. So I was got to thinking, I was like, well, if I'm going to have to fly, you know, I could just fly to North Dakota and and hunt ducks and pheasants and then drive to Wyoming and then fly home. So back then, that's what I did. And the guy I hunted with, the guy that I hired then, he told me, he said, Kevin, if you want to see some ducks, you come back the 1st of November. So um Next year, or maybe the year after that, me and a buddy planned a trip, and we flew up there. And back then, you could fly with a dog with no problem. So I flew Carla, my first trot, and uh, but everything was frozen up then. There was a lot of ducks and all. They were on the big refuges, but you know we didn't have all the decoys and everything to kill them. So, um, um, so this time I thought we were going to hit it really well, but they had. They had so they had so much water that they were just starting to cut soybeans the first of November. Um, so we just we did the best. I think we did the best we could with what we had. Um, we we walked a lot, um, saw a lot of beautiful country, um, met some nice people, and so we hunted about a week or so, and then we um, drove down. My intention was to hunt South Dakota, um, but you know, South Dakota was in the same boat as North Dakota, uh, with all the crops still in the fields. Really wet still. I don't. Really wet. Um, license only three days. I didn't. Um, I didn't like that. Um, I hope. I. I really, really hope that. Nebraska and Kansas don't follow those license models. Um, that you know, North Dakota has the two two seven day non resident license, and you can split it. However, but you know, um, I like hunting more than fourteen days, and I don't want to spend another hundred and fifty dollars or so for the fourteen. You know what I mean? It gets yeah, yeah. it get real expensive. Absolutely, so, especially in North Dakota, where you're buying the the waterfowl. You have a waterfowl, right, and then they you break it the, up. Yeah, then you buy the upland, and I mean, by the time you get done doing that, you're spending two hundred and fifty dollars for a short yeah. period of time. It gets pricey. So, yeah. so it South does. Dakota was kind of in the same boat. So you decided, all right, let's skip South Dakota. Let's move on. And you was it Nebraska next? Yeah. I know, no Nebraska and Kansas. Yeah. You said that it's kind of on the same area well, that you go to, but you kind of hit Nebraska first, right? 
Yeah, we we went to the Sand Hills. Um, town called Perdum, uh, Perdum, I think is how the locals. I, I redneck it up a little bit and call it Perdum, <laughs> but um, I think they they call it Perdum, Nebraska, which is a dot. I mean, it's there's another town that we actually stayed in right there on the highway where we hunted. Um, but I had talked to a buddy who lives in Denver, and he said that they had went to Whitetail Campground. Um, so I just found that on Google and drove that way, found a hotel near there, and stayed there that night. Okay. The next morning we just got up and drove into into that um, national forest, I guess is what it is, national grassland or something, and just started walking sand hills. And that's rough. That's, those people are, them grouse hunters, I mean, those rough hunters up there, I don't know. I don't. So what, what were you hunting in Nebraska? We hunted sharp tails. We was trying to find sharp tails in the sand hills. But, um. Did y'all run into any, did y'all run into any prairie chickens out there? Or, or was that a different area typically that you find those? We ran into prairie chickens, um. And I, I believe it was in in Nebraska. Uh, I went so I, I don't remember exactly where we were when we started running into chickens. But um, in the Sand Hills, we mainly my my thoughts were we were just going to hunt sharp tails. Um, I had I had heard that there were quail there. And I heard that there were pheasants there too. But we just pulled up and started walking the sand hills and it was hot. It was almost 70 degrees that day and uh, sand spurs everywhere. It was tough. That place, that place kicked my butt. Did you have to boot carbon up for the sand spurs? Um, no, I never booted carbon the whole trip. Okay. Um, he, I kept him pretty clean um, and, and scooter too. Um, scooter, Scooter did real well with the sand spurs, but, um, and carbon too, his feet were like leather pads at that point. So he did pretty good. Um, it's just, you know, we walked, I walked a lot. I walked a lot, a lot, a lot of hills and it's just no contact, you know, and I got to worrying about rattlesnakes and all because it was so hot. Not that I, not, I mean, they might not even be there, but I would suspect they are. Yeah. Um, so, so I was I didn't like that part of it, but um, yeah, that's that's tough hunting. Those guys that do that all the time, kudos to you because yeah, if you can pull that off, you you've done something. I know shooting grouse in in the Appalachia is pretty tough. But I was about to say that comes from a guy that's hunted grouse for three years in in Georgia. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, the only sharp tail I saw out in those sand hills were just flying around. Like you would look a quarter mile over there and see a grouse along the sand hills uh, <laughs> so, um, so but, with that being said on the on the sharp tails so that wasn't exactly going too well but didn't you get into a fair amount of duck hunting while you're in nebraska well when we moved south um when we moved south into Can- northwest kansas um we no we we hunted i didn't I hunted um, waterfowl in Nebraska. I hunted waterfowl in northern, northwest Kansas. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Um, when we moved from the uh, from the Sand Hills, we went ahead and drove south all the way into um, northwest Kansas in the north. And um, which that sounds kind of like the whole trip. That's where you're kind of itching to get to was Kansas. You know, you had other you stops, know, but um, you're like, I'm ready to get to Kansas. It is. It's like um, I've I'm I'm I've been a really blessed man. I've I've been from Key West to Alaska, um, and a lot of places in between. But to me, there, and I'm from almost Central Georgia. Um, to me, there's no place like home more than Northwest Kansas. I don't know what well, it is about that place. But Dorothy would agree with you too. <laughs> no place yeah. like home. <laughs> no place like Kansas, that's for sure. Um, it's it's like the old days here. Um, the draws and the crop fields and the nice farmers and the the quail. Um, you know, and last year I was fortunate enough. And let me tell you a little side story of how small the world this is. The year before, I'd put on Wild Bird Hunters the a picture of the back of the Kansas Atlas asking for help on a just a page number. I didn't want no one's spot. I just wanted a page number to where I might find the prairie chicken that I could hunt, by, you know, yeah. to hunt my dog on. And all these people were page one, page four, page two, and, you know, and all this. And one guy spoke up. He said, where are you at? <laughs> and I said, um, I'm in Great Bend. And he said, meet me at Hill City at 8 o'clock in the morning. There you go. And I said, well, I don't really want a guided hunt. You know, I like doing it all on my own, you know, public land. Um, he said, no, this isn't a guided hunt. I'm just a... <laughs> Kansas native that loves promoting hunting in Kansas. And uh that's where I met James Mellencipher. Um and he took me hunting and we didn't get a sh uh, a chicken that day, but we got a couple roosters and some quail. We saw some chickens. They just in late season, December, um they wouldn't sit still for nothing. So but I was out there in chicken country, so I had the opportunity. So the next year when dad and I went, I called Jim and, um, I said, Hey, I'm back in Kansas. You want to go hunting again? He said, well, I can't Kevin. I'm in Arizona quail hunting. He said, but call this guy I know up in Norton. He helped me with the governor's hunt, uh, a week or so ago. I said, okay. So I call him and he and I get to talking and he tells me his last name. And I said, I know a guy named Husak that lives in Georgia. I deer hunt on his property. And he said, what's his first name? And I said, Rick. He said, that's my brother. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> he said, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm in Great Bend. I always went to, to Great Bend and hunted pretty much south of there all the time. He said, well, come up to Norton. So I went up to Norton and met McCray. Um, McCray and I become really good friends. Uh, we're a lot alike. Um, after that, I come home and I was just sick, missing it, depressed, needing Prozac because I wanted to get back to Kansas. And, uh, <laughs> he, he kept sending me pictures of you know ducks and pheasants, quail. 
sunsets. And uh, he texted me one day, and he's like, when are you coming back? I said, I don't know. It's killing me. He said, well, I'm a tile man, so um, I'm a tile company here. And um, he said, well, if you come back and tile my bathroom. I said, well, I'll do that. So um, the day after Christmas last year, my wife and I loaded up the car and drove to Norton, Kansas. And uh, he wasn't even home. He, He was out of town. I worked on his bathroom for four or five days, got it all put in, heated floor system, handicap accessible shower. Uh, you know, it's nice. <laughs> I, I hooked him up. The things we do for hunting, right? <laughs> yeah, the things we do. And, um, I put Shelly, my wife, on airplane. She stayed with me a week, and she came home right after New Year's, and I ended up staying the whole month of January. Speaking of Shelly, you lucked out. You got to tell everybody your secret, how you get to go hunting for a month and a half, two months on end with your 22nd wedding anniversary, right? Smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, <laughs> you got to tell people your secret you know, on that. She, she just walked in, so I have to be real careful. <laughs> she wanted to get uh, get married in November. So um, I wanted to get married Right before Christmas, right at, at, you know, I wanted a Christmas wedding. Her her parents were married on November 15th, and that's what she wanted her wedding day on was the same day. So, and at that time, I remember back then, I told her, I said, look, now that's the rut. <laughs> um, so don't you be mad at me. And I married an awesome one. Uh, she hunts with me. She loves it. And never never once fusses at me about going hunting um as long as everything else is taken care of you know she's right there with me go i lucked out the same way myself (laughs) well let's get back to the uh the 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 governor's hunt is you know kind of what you're getting into and Mm. and finding a place to hunt with uh your buddy out of town so what happened on that hunt all right so we're in kansas um we get to kansas and we're only about six miles from the Nebraska line. So I I already have the Nebraska annual license anyway. So we're, as we're waiting on the Kansas season to open, we we just, you know, travel north into Nebraska every day and hunt the Walken land that they, they offer. Um, and it was, it was great. Um, I loved it. I've never waved so much in my life as I did coming through Nebraska. I believe every person that passed me on the road waved. It is, um, <laughs> um, They're happy friendly, to have friendly you. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in that trip from North Dakota to all the way pretty much into Northwest Kansas, you know, we had to get them 80 or something for about 10 miles, but we went these. We just dropped straight down south, so we stayed on these little back rural roads that just went south. And I think we went through that from North Dakota, South Dakota, all the way to the bottom of Nebraska, just on these little roads that I bet we didn't see 25, 30 cars the whole time, wow. excluding the highway that we got on. It's a beautiful, beautiful country through there. But when we got into Kansas, I was back at home. My friend's house, where I have rights to stay, spent 
you know, a season there before, so I knew a lot of places already. Uh, was able to unload the car, get some of the skunk smell <laughs> out. <laughs> so you're back at you're back in Kansas now. That what are you hunting? So what like what walk us through what what are you going after right um, now? Roosters and quail. Um the local reservoir that we that I had really good success on last year, um was all out of the banks and the timber all the way around the lake was flooded. Um uh, pretty hard to duck hunt without a boat. Not a big migration of ducks. They had ducks, but there wasn't a whole lot of ducks. Um I think Dad and I hunted a couple of mornings. Didn't we probably got maybe a handful, you know, uh, which was nice. And I always loved duck hunting. It doesn't matter to me whether I shoot one or not. But um, and then we were set up to guide the governor's hunt at the Western Kansas Ringneck Classic. Jim or James Mellencipher invited McCray to be a guide. McCray invited me. So we drive down to Colby and start guiding them for the governor's hunt. Uh, they give us this great group of guys. Um, I was a nervous wreck because I'd never really guided anyone before. Carvin's always just been my hunting dog, you know. So Who were you guiding in that? Who were you guiding? Well, what it is is they um, – they broke us up into groups, and the group we had, we had a four-star general and in the Army, and um, we had a three-star general, a big Homeland Security guy. We had a Guzman, Montana real estate businessman, and we had the president of uh, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, Mr. Howard Vincent. Um, and we had a good time. Awesome. We had a, we had a great day. Um, dogs. Uh, McCray has a uh, he has a full blooded Chesapeake that he didn't bring on this hunt. She had eye surgery, but her daughter is a Chessie slash German short hair mix. Huh. <laughs> if you and he looks like an Ethiopian Ridgeback. Is what it looks like. Um, <laughs> Did you see um, that dog work? Oh yeah, I've hunted with Katya for probably two long seasons now. Um, she's not a pointer, but um, she gets birdie, and you got to be a runner. Uh, you got to keep up with her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and his his McCray's Chessie. Uh, when McCray says "woo," the Chessie thinks that means flush so <laughs> tough hunting with that with that crew right there yeah. with Carmen, you know i'm trying to make him you know and then i got a home rush in the it can be frustrating but you know it is what it is um but on that day when we got the governor's hunt we just had carbon and and uh the chessie slash gsp out in the field, and uh, we had a we, we had a good day. I think we got twenty six roosters that day. Wow! Um, yeah, we yeah. only found one covey of quail. But and the, these are over, all is that wild birds when you're doing this when you're doing the governor's yeah, hunt? Yeah. yeah, that's great, man. Yeah. It was wild, but but it was on private land. Yeah. Um, I don't want to tell everyone that that was public land because all the public land I hunt, you could not 
I haven't found that spot yet. You know, yeah. it's hard to compete with. It's hard to beat good private land as much as I hunt public, you know. But um, the guy, he donated his land, his time. Um, that that program is amazing, uh, what they're doing for wildlife. I've never really gotten into it, you know. Um, I'm on the East Coast, so I don't know what those guys do on Pheasants Forever over there. It has nothing to do with me over here in Georgia. Yeah. But it does. It um you know, even like Quail Forever impacts I mean, that just because you're protecting a pheasant doesn't mean that's the only thing you're protecting or or helping. I don't yeah. want to say protecting, but you know, you're helping the butterflies, you're helping the songbirds, um, you're helping the whole ecosystem when you when you provide cover. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I always have to think about, too. You know, when we're talking about Quell Forever or other habitat organizations down here and being mm-hmm. members, you can't look at it in a micro type of uh, view no. where it's like, all right, how does this immediately impact me here in Tennessee where we're, we don't have an abundance of the species or we don't have the, the right habitat right here for, for this upland bird? But those funds go to help in the areas where there is – you know, the abundance, it can help further, you know, keep the, keep the, uh, species and everything, um, plentiful where, where they're at, you know? So, I mean, like you're saying, being a member down in Georgia, heck, you get to see the benefits of it when you're in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you travel, you really do get to see the benefits of it. And if you don't, it's, it's what they do for, for, for hunter recruitment. And I mean, because if we go on our trajectory, we're going to lose. Um, so it's what all, I mean, they do a lot that we don't even realize um, so, you know, how they benefit us. For sure. Now, did Kansas, did it live up to all your hopes and, and all your expectations? Did everything work out like you wanted it to? Um, yeah. Um, the dogs weren't there. Like, like the last Thanksgiving, um, the water was real high. Um, we had some amazing hunts last year um, during duck season. We there were you know, there were some beautiful times, um, and this year it wasn't like that. But um, we found plenty of roosters and plenty of quail. Um, it wasn't easy. I think I averaged probably about three miles per rooster. So yeah. I mean that's that's not you know. That's nothing to brag about, but it, it's a lot easier to find a rooster out there than just a quail here on public land in Georgia. Yep, yeah, that's, that's what we true. always think about. <laughs> yeah. So, so after Kansas, you're kind of kind of wrapping up the trip and everything. You're heading back to Georgia, but I mean, you mm-hmm. you just spent weeks on the road with your old man and a new dog and everything. Looking back on it. You know, you had some amazing experiences. I mean, you met a lot of good people from day one, inviting you to go hunt, just local farmers in Kansas dropping pens for you to hunt and all that, seeing all kinds of different oh, yeah. wildlife, coon hunts, skunks, porcupines, all that. <laughs> now that it's all over, is there anything particular that stands out in your mind that you're going to think back about on this years later? Hmm. Yeah, I think Carbon's first grouse point will 
um, I think about that all. Matter of fact, I dropped the bird off today at my taxidermist. Um, the same bird. I kept that bird frozen. There <laughs> the you whole, go. The whole trip. Um, so, yeah, that one was special. Um, just because of the learning curve and everything else that went along with it. But, you know, it's just so much that out there that you just have to go. You know, you like I said, I didn't have a plan, really. And maybe that was not a good thing. Maybe it was a great thing. I don't know. But um, we just kind of figured it out as we went. Um, I like that aspect of it myself is the unknown. Um, but. Uh, as far yeah, I don't know if, other than the grouse. I mean, yeah, the rough that he pointed, something, all of it. Um, I'll have them forever, you know. Dad, just just walking behind him and looking up ahead of me, and there he is walking with his dog, you know. Um, little things like that that'll probably just stick with me forever and ever. I hope. Absolutely, yeah, that's fantastic stuff right there. So what trip are you planning on next year to top this one? Do you think you can top it? <laughs> I, um, I don't think so. I don't think I could top it. Um, I would like to duplicate it and improve on it. But um, I was, you know, you know, I mean, there's factors that could have been worked out better for us, but, you know, you can't control all that. So we just did the best with what we had when we had it. I don't know um, if we'll ever get back able to do that trip again. I hope we are. I hope I can do it again next year. But, you know, it's so hard for uh, a business owner and a husband to get that much time away. Um, it's very hard. And, you know, a lot of people this year, it just happened to just all fall in place. I had enough saved where I, you know, didn't sweat it so bad and work. I had work lined up for my guys to do that. I got ready for them the whole time I was gone. Um, no one was in the hospital <laughs> sick, you know, all that's a factor. And this year it just seemed to all, and dad was healthy. Um, I was, I was healthy. So we just said, let's go. And so we just kind of, threw it together, you know, and just took off and hit the road. Well, I'm glad you got to take advantage of that opportunity. And I mean, that's, a, that's a trip. I mean, going from rough grouse and woodcock woods of Wisconsin to the Dakotas to Nebraska and Kansas, that's a hell of a trip. I think any bird hunter and dog owner just dreams to be able to do one day. And I, I'm glad you're able to make it happen. And I'm even glad, you know, Happier that you were able to come on here and share your story with us, and we really do appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you had me. I enjoyed it. Well, we appreciate it very much. Um, trip of a lifetime, man. I definitely I, I enjoyed taking trips with my dad. We went out to Kansas last year, and it was something I'll always remember. So, uh, you know, here's to planning another one and trying to trying to duplicate. <laughs> Yep, until the next one. We're all, I think we're all just, you know, um, I don't know if we're ever satisfied. Um, you know, it's it's that unknown calling that I think we all have that you know, it's just over the next hill. 
Absolutely. So I think we'll. I, uh, we're gonna. I hope I can hunt with Dad many, many more years. So. You too. Who knows what the future holds for us? Yep, we do too, and. Again, I can't. I, I can't wait to carbon gets some age on him just to see how it progresses. You know, uh, like I said, he's only two and a half now. We've had we've been a lot of we've covered a lot of ground in those years. So who knows? You know, you got a lot more ground to cover. And yeah, again, yeah. Kevin, thanks for sharing your story. And uh, you'll have to let us know what kind of crazy trip you come up with next year. Sounds good. Awesome. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.